Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Yesterday, um, I was teaching down at Christ for the Nations, and it's 8.55 in the morning when, when the class starts. It's upstairs at the main auditorium there um, on campus. And just as I, I get the class going, now this class is titled Intro to Pastoral Ministry. And um, so as I'm just getting the class going, kind of getting everybody settled down and telling them where to go in the, in the next lesson, all of a sudden the doors bust open. These two guys come running in, and a squirrel comes running in the classroom. Like I'm like, what is going on here? And it's trying to climb a wall and running around my feet. And I just stood there and watched it. I was like, well, I'm going to enjoy this. And, it's running, and then goes out amongst the chairs, and that's when the girls started screaming. And the boys were screaming. And finally they were able to wrangle that thing out of there and shut the doors. And it was like a perfect segue to tell them, you know, in ministry, you got to be ready for anything. <laughs> in pastoral ministry in particular. And uh, be ready for anything because people got problems. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. But... We just keep pointing to the solution, which is Christ, the living Christ who died for our sins, who was buried, and who rose again from the dead. Aren't you grateful for that news? I love the gospel. I love the simplicity that is the gospel. I love the power of the gospel. I like that I'm not even in that, that for our sins, except that's where I am. I'm the sinful part. (laughs) There's my contribution, God. He died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again from the dead. But then he says, whoever believes on him will receive everlasting life. What a great invitation that is. God loves all of us. He loves all of you, and he wants you. And he went through the the greatest kind of agony, the greatest kind of reach that somebody could possibly make. And he reached us when he became a man. And, you know, I was thinking about that this morning as I was meditating on this this word today, I was thinking about something that says about Jesus in Luke chapter 2. It says that he increased in wisdom and in the favor of God, in favor with God and man. He incre- Jesus in, in wisdom and stature. Jesus increased in wisdom, which means he came to learn something. The fact that he humbled himself and became a man and became like us to learn something. And he increased in wisdom along the way. And one of the things that Jesus said on the cross was, Father, forgive them for what? They know not what they do. See, he learned something about us. And it wasn't just a God who was a judge up in heaven looking at all this wrong and just, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, if you read the Old Testament, you see him saying that to Israel a lot. <laughs> what is your deal? Right? But, but Jesus comes here and dwells among us, and now he can understand. The Scripture says, now we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weakness. He gets us. He knows us because he became a man. Isn't this powerful? So we have a God who is so relatable who loves us so much that he himself, the word, became flesh 
and dwelt among us. I don't know if that tells you, but that tells me I've got a future and a hope. Because when Jesus Christ ascended into heaven, he sat down and the book of Timothy says that we, there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. So as, the, as long as that man is seated next to his father on our behalf, we all have a great hope. We all have a great future. As long as he's there, I have a feeling he's going to be there a long time. So our hope is a long time. Our security is a long time because our security is found in him. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to take a moment, just tell him thank you. Thank you. Thank you that he's relatable. Amen. Thank him that he died for our sins. See, the gospel is not just Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. The essence of the gospel is that he died for our sins. And he did that so that we don't have to die from our sins. I'm grateful to God for that. That worship was amazing. I almost said, almost said a word not appropriate. That word was awesome. That's because Heather was up here stirring the pot up here. So, <laughs> uh, thank you. Okay, where did I say to go? Colossians, let's go to Colossians chapter 1 this morning. <laughs> uh, God is good. And the devil can go straight to hell. But not you. You have a place prepared for you, a great hope. Okay. Let's go to verse 3. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints. Five, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Now I want you to catch this for a moment. This says that this is the word of the truth of the gospel. And that truth is there is hope laid up in heaven for you. And we need to talk about this for a moment because I don't know about you, but some of my church experience wasn't, uh, wasn't this kind of message. Am I in the right church? Yeah. That's not happening in this church, but you know, some of, as the church is maturing and growing and coming into greater understanding of the things of God, you know, we've limped <laughs> quite, quite a ways for many years because this right here says that the truth, the word of the truth of the gospel is all about a hope laid up for us. I don't know why the gospel message so much is emphasizing today our sins rather than the hope that we have in him. And this says this is the truth of the gospel. And, and, and the reason I want to point out that it says the truth of the gospel is because my, my religious friends who love to preach on the negative side and don't emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. I still love them. They're my brothers. But they tend to say, well, somebody's going, I'm here to tell you the truth. I, I'm not here to give you some feel-good sermon. I'm here to give you the truth. But this says that the truth is about a hope that's laid up for us. Right? Grace and truth are not opposing things. Matter of fact, through Moses came the law, but through Jesus Christ came grace and truth. 
All right, let's keep reading. Which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it also as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. So what is the grace of God in truth? That this message is free. This salvation is free. That's the grace of God in truth. You can't earn it. You don't get to earn it. You don't get to work for it. You don't get to strive for it. I, I did a, a, a memorial service yesterday, and, and um, it was a real, real sweet memorial service. It's a man who actually used to come here years ago, but had moved off um, to St. Louis for work. It was Bob. Y'all remember Bob Neal? Bob Neal, he used to sit right where William is, actually. Um, and Bob was just a precious guy. A big guy, kind of rough looking, but nothing about that appearance said who he really was. The first time I ever uh, had a conversation with him of any length, he came and saw me in my office one day, and we just, and this guy just poured his heart out. We ended up crying together like babies, and just had the best time. He talked about his kids, how much he loved them, and, he, and, and his love for just the pure gospel of Christ, just that message itself, you know. And, and we'd had coffee on a, a number of occasions and had some great times together. But before he left, I just got to tell you this right quick. This is totally off subject, but just bear with me. Um, he wanted to meet one more time at Starbucks before he moved off to uh, St. Louis. And so we met over at Starbucks over on Hardin. And I don't know, if you knew Bob, you knew that he was ex not just early, he's extremely early wherever he showed up. Like, he beat me to church I don't know how many times, and I'm like, I'm the pastor. Maybe I should learn something from this guy. <laughs> he's, he's more excited about this than I am. I mean, he was there. He was always here early, parked out there by that fence out there, and just, he'd be there for an hour. He'd be there an hour early just waiting. So sure enough, he's already in the parking lot at Starbucks by the time I pull up, and he's standing out there next to his pickup, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's got a cup of coffee in his hand. And so I walk up to him, and as I'm approaching him, he goes, oh, pastor, you caught me. I didn't want you to see that I'm already having a cup of coffee. I was like, oh, that's refreshing. That's awesome. Didn't even mention this. And he and I talked about, talked about just being free from religious constraints. And just being free in Jesus and enjoying the yeah. gift, the gift of the gospel, the gift of grace. Yeah. That's, that's what makes Christianity completely different from every yeah. other religion. Yeah. Every other religion's earning, earning, earning. But the gospel doesn't let you do that. Christianity doesn't let you do that. It's receive this gift. This is it. It's not a road that you're trying to build up. No, God built a road to you. Just take that road and it'll take you right to the Father. I love this. It doesn't take us to the judge. It takes us to the Father. Isn't that glorious? Because Jesus was judged for us, so we've passed from judgment. We've passed from death to life. Amen. Now, you're going to get me to preaching if you're not careful. All right. Oh, I love this. I'm so off of what I was planning on preaching here. but All right. This is a message of hope. And this is a real hope. This is something that we can cling to. The scripture says that this hope that we have is an anchor for our soul. It's both sure and steadfast because this hope is the man, Jesus Christ. 
He is our living hope. I love that. And so, you know what that means? Heaven is a sure thing. That means your salvation is a sure thing. There are a lot of uncertainties in life, but you can know from what Jesus has brought to us, eternal life is a sure thing. You know why? Because Jesus is a sure thing. So this hope that we have is this confident expectation of what is to come. Eternal salvation. Let's look at verse 6. Colossians chapter, I'll make, somehow make sense of this. Which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Verse 7. As you also learned from Epaphras, don't name your kid that, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Verse 8. Who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9. Watch this. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with, all, with the knowledge of his will. Did you catch that? That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, God is not hiding from us. He's, he's, the mystery has been revealed now. The mystery has been revealed. And his will has been put in force the scriptures teaches us over in, in um, uh, Hebrews that, that a will is not enforced until there is the death of the testator of that will. Yeah. All right? That's, that's when that will becomes enforced. If Carl, for instance, isn't he good looking? <laughs> from, from this side. <laughs> I love you. If, if you heard that you were going to you were invited to the reading of a will of some distant relative that you didn't even know very well, but all of a sudden found out that they were going to leave you a large inheritance. All you had to do is show up, and they'd let you know what you got. And come to find out, you get there, and they say, and to my distant relative, Carl Van Wy, the are you Esquire or the third? The fourth. I doth hereby, and there whence, bequeath. Ten million dollars. After you die. Yeah. It was good for a second. It's not going to do him any good. Get that inheritance after he dies. When does it need to be enjoyed? While you're alive. See, the will isn't enforced when the recipient, the beneficiary dies, but when the testator dies. Hey, I'm here to tell you, Jesus died. The testator of that will died, and now that will is in full force for you. And one of the beautiful things about coming to the house of God, coming to church with other people, is that we come here for the reading of the will. And we find out what is our inheritance. That's why we preach the promises of God. These are things that Jesus laid down his life for you and I to have. All the promises of God are in him, yes. And amen. So you have a rich inheritance, and if you are Christ, you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And some of those things that Steve was talking about, one of those parts of your inheritance is healing. Amen. Yeah. amen. It is provision. Yeah. It is blessing. He paid a great price for you. That you be filled with the knowledge of his will. So one way to do that is to come to church, right? Hear the word preached, but in your own way, seeking him by studying the scriptures. That's his will. And learn who he is. And I'm going to tell you this. The emphasis of your Bible reading, most of your Bible reading should be spent in the letters of Paul. Because the scripture says that he is the apostle to the Gentiles. Right? Any Gentiles in here? 
Come on, pagans, let me see your hands, all right? You bacon-eating, shrimp-eating pagans. <laughs> so he came, basically Paul's gospel was oh, to 99.8% of the world, right? Something like that. So that definitely applies to us. That's where you need to spend most of your time getting to know his will for your life because if it had not been for that apostle, we wouldn't know anything about Jesus. We, wouldn't, we would know what to know about Jesus, but Jesus taught the apostle Paul what to teach us. Aren't you grateful for that? Yeah. And so th this message uh, of grace that has come to us, as Paul said, that, that it had been revealed to him to deliver it to you. That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, not holding your sins against you any longer. He was in Christ doing that, putting his arms around the world, reconciling himself to the world. Ah, thank God for that. And so that's our message, and that's the thing that we need to remember. That is our reality as believers. Because if you start looking around and thinking that this thing applies to me and this thing applies to me and Deuteronomy 6 and, or whatever, and this, well, you're going to get jacked up. All right, because you have to know there are audiences that are being addressed. When Jesus came, he said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So much of his teaching personally was under the context of the law. You know, when I was growing up, it was always, I read the red. You got to read the red. That's where the truth is. Well, okay, yeah, it is the truth, but you have to see it through the lens of this apostle to the Gentiles. Otherwise, you're going to get, you just, well, everybody raise your right hand for a moment. How many of you are true blue followers of Jesus? You're afraid to answer that question. I'm so, okay, let me say Jesus of the Bible during this time, okay? How many of you are true followers? Well, um, hold you. Jesus said if your right hand offends you, if your right hand does something wrong, if your right hand does something wrong, cut it off. We're not real good followers. If your right eye... Pluck it out. If it's looking at stuff it shouldn't look at, pluck it out. Right? We're not real true followers, and we're grateful to God that that doesn't apply to us. Right? That's what I'm saying. There are things that you'll, you'll be confused. Right? And I've talked to you about this before. I can remember when I used to read the Bible in that way, just kind of surface, that it was all applicable. Some days were great. Other days were terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. Right? Let's go to one place and let's look, and then I'll let you go. All right? First John chapter 1, verse 8. Who's back there? Brooke, thank you for your patience. Let's all tell Brooke we love you very much. She's like, you went off script. It's all right. First, first John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Oh, that's good. That's a good, honest verse, isn't it? If we say we have no sin, we're lying. That's what it's saying. The truth is not in us. Right? Okay? Two chapters later, 1 John 3, let's start around verse 8. 1 John. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Whoever is born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Well, how can it? Wait, 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 wait. It said, if we say we have no sin, we're lying, the truth is not in us. But then it says, if we're born of God, we don't sin. Not just don't sin, can't. 
Well, which is it? This is what I'm, that's what I'm saying. One day it's good, and the next day it's chapter 3, and going, oh, I must not be saved. I guess I'm not born of God because I sure can sin. Right? This is actually quite simple. This is really quite simple. Whoever has been born of God. Were you born of God in this flesh? Is this, this born of God? No, this is born of your mama. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Which means you, the essence of who you are, because you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, guess what? You cannot sin in the spirit. It's impossible. Because he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Whatever is born of God does not sin. Oh, man. See, the sin is found where? In that flesh. Right? Paul said, I find a law that there's sin present with me, the one who wants to do good. Because, see, you have the right once now that you are redeemed, that you're born again. Your heart, it has all the right motives because you're one spirit with God. So his will is your will. Paul says, I delight in the things of God according to the inward man, but I see something else going on in this body. Right? And it's fighting all of that because it wants to please itself. It doesn't want to be nice. It doesn't want to share. It doesn't want to give. Right? It wants to see what's in it for me. So Paul said, there's this in this flesh, that's where the sin dwells. It's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Imagine that. It's no longer I who do it, but sin. Because he's saying the same thing as John is saying here. Whatever's born of God doesn't sin. Can't sin. Why? Because his seed remains in him. And he cannot sin because he's been born of God. See you are living your life as a Christian. See, this is so powerful. This isn't going, you're not living to be perfect. You're not striving for perfection. You are actually living from perfection. A new creation in Christ. Ooh, this is good. See, this will help you get over the fumbling and the stumbling if you really see you as he sees you. If you really grab a hold of and embrace this born again truth this born again experience the thing that you have become now amen so it won't be it won't be such a matter because the scripture says sin shall not have dominion over you you're not under law you're under grace if you try to live by the rules you're going to be dominated by sin all right but when you let grace reign i receive your free gift of grace it causes you then to live a whole nother experience to awaken to righteousness and sin not. Amen. Thank you. Isaiah, that was some good singing this morning too. Isn't that good? All right, does this help you today? All right. All right, let's stand together. Thank you for being here. Praise God. Remember that message today. Remember that glorious message. Believe it today. Believe that Jesus, what he did, he did it for you. You know, it's one thing to hear that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes. And when you kind of leave it in that big thought, that the huge crowd, the multitudes, the whoever believes. But 
whoever is you. And when you believe that for yourself, that he died for your sins, and he was buried and he rose again, he did that to save you. Knowing that you were powerless to save yourself. No matter how much good you could do, it couldn't fix it. So he came to rescue you, to redeem you. And the scripture says he is able to save you to the uttermost. Which means he'll take you all the way to heaven. Take you all the way there. Because his blood was more than enough. And his grace, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Amen. So believe that today. Believe that today. And that's where you just finally just come to the end of yourself and say, you know what? I'm tired of striving. I'm tired of laboring. I'm tired of being tired. I'm just going to receive the gift today. I believe this story. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose again from the dead. See, upon that truth, upon that belief, the scripture says you are a miracle happens. You are born again. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe this today. Believe this gospel. And live in a whole new experience. Thank you, Father. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, won't you just lift up your hand? Between me and you and God, I want to, I want to say, because one of, one of the great things that Jesus accomplished in his sacrifice and his suffering was that he took those stripes upon his back for our healing. So we're just going to receive that today in Jesus. Again, it's a gift. It's a gift. So you're here, you need healing. Lord, thank you right now for that gift. Thank you for that gift. Thank you for that gift of healing. Lord, I thank you that it's being released. Lord, the moment, the moment you took that first stripe on your back, a fountain of healing was unleashed. Hallelujah. A fountain of healing that is greater and stronger than any sickness, ailment, disease, mental or physical. Lord, I thank you that you bore all of that for us, our mental and physical pains, our calamities, our maladies, our diseases, our sicknesses. You bore them. Why? So that we don't have to. So that we could receive your gift of healing. So I thank you now for the healing power of God being made manifest in these bodies and these minds in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.